Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm joined by my buddy, Ariel Pacheco. To answer a couple of big questions, can the Knicks fix their leaky defense? Do they actually have too much talent at the guard spot? All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we're now available on all platforms. So be sure to check us out on YouTube, subscribe, and hit that notifications bell to ensure you never miss an episode. And be sure to do the same on your favorite audio podcast platform of choice. And then if you want to take things a step further. Uh, you can subscribe to our subtext. There's a link in the episode description and get texts from Alex and I before and after every single Knicks game. Um, and you can ask us any questions you have on the New York Knicks, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcasters, favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, we are joined by Ariel Pacheco today, uh, a longtime guest on this podcast. Always one of my favorites, just a genuinely good dude who knows a ton about basketball and a ton about the Knicks. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention again in just a sec, but you should check out his Substack where he put out a great article breaking down Quentin Grimes' performance against the Toronto Raptors. That is the pinned tweet on his Twitter, a Pacheco NBA. Without further ado, let's get into things with Ariel right now. All right, guys, as promised, lucky enough to be joined by my buddy, uh, Ariel Pacheco. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at a Pacheco MBA uh, now has a Substack, as previously mentioned, uh, where he put together some fantastic thoughts on Quentin Grimes and how the Knicks have unlocked him since he's started coming off the bench. So I encourage you to check that out. But before we get into that, Ariel, how's it going, man? One of my favorite people to have on this podcast. Uh, always bringing some positivity and man, it, it is needed after uh, a, a brutal hit to the New York Knicks season, losing Mitchell Robinson for the next eight to 10 weeks. I'm always happy to get on here. always love chatting it up with you. And yeah, it's been kind of like an uneven week, I'd say, for the Knicks, just in general. Um, tough schedule, tough schedule break with the in-season tournament. Um, but I think I think we've learned a lot about the team kind of in these past few games. So let's let, let's start with the obvious. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll leave it really wide open and you, you can take it wherever you want. How, how does Mitch's injury change the trajectory of this season? Of yeah, change the trajectory of this season. Um, I think, I think sort of similar to last season where Mitch got hurt. Um, I think the initial reaction, and um, I'm kind of speaking for myself here, but I think for for the most part, most people were kind of thinking like, "Oh, Mitch is such an important part of the team." Um, you know, him missing some games might really like derail what the Knicks had started to build at the time last year. And I think it's kind of similar to this season where. Mitch is extremely important. Um, the things he does can't really be replicated. They can, but when you know you're like the when Mitch is the best offensive rebounder in the league, whoever you put in in his place, even though Hartenstein has been great, it's not the same level of of kind of play from him. So I, I just think that the way that they have to kind of replace Mitch, quote unquote, is to do it through other ways, whether that's you know utilizing Hartenstein's passing more or you know. Um, maybe we see some more things from Sims that we haven't seen from him yet. But I, I just think in general, it's kind of has to be kind of like a group effort. Um, but I think it, the concern, I guess the biggest concern is what happens kind of on the defensive end. 
Um, the Knicks have already started to see some slip, slippage, even when he was um, healthy these past few games. So I think that's kind of the, the major thing that they have to solve. But um, I'm pretty confident that they'll figure it out kind of like they did last year. Yeah, I, I didn't. I did a whole pot on it. I realized I didn't make this point, but I think there's a pretty good case to be made that he was probably the third most indispensable Nick. And it, 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 it depends on how you're making that judgment in that. I would almost argue he's more essential to their style of play than probably anyone else on the team. And that almost everything they do is, is catered to leveraging his strengths on both ends of the floor and, and minimizing his weaknesses on both ends of the floor. And it, it feels like a almost Teutonic shift in how they play without him. And, and maybe even more so than it would be if Jalen Brunson was out for a substantial time and, and, and possibly Julius Randall was out for a substantial time. I still think they would look, largely the same with Mitch. And, and we got to see it last night a little bit. They look like a different team on both ends of the floor. I, I guess, what was your initial read in, in maybe the steps that Tibbs was taking to say, all right, like we, we lose these benefits from Mitch, but here, here's some things that it opens up not having him in the game. Yeah. Well, he, like you, you touched on is that he's central to their play on both ends of the floor. I think people are very aware of what he means to the next defense and, and on the glass, but I, I think it's a little, we don't talk enough about how, um, kind of everything that he's a leader, even on offense, um, offense rebounding and, and finishing on the rim are the things that like the Knicks have been a leader since he's been in New York. Um, but in terms of just going off of the Toronto game in particular, I, I think what we'll see is that Hardenstein is going to get a lot of minutes. Um, I, I, I think there, I don't think tips, even though he's starting Sims, I, I still think there's like some trust there that, that Sims needs to earn. Um, I, I thought his defense was a little up and down, like he had some moments, but then he also had moments where he slipped up. Um, but it's kind of a larger issue that we've been seeing in these past three games, as I just think the communication as a team has kind of been a little off. And we're seeing it particularly like in transition. Um, a lot of easy baskets, a lot of, you know, hit ahead passes from the opposing team, even after made baskets from the Knicks. So I, I think the biggest thing is kind of the, the Knicks have seen, have been seemingly like, not on the same page, um, seeing a lot of like one player thinks it's a switch and then another player thinks that they're staying attached, um, at least to an easy breakdown. And then the, the the rotation, the help from the weak side is late. So it's just little things like that that are being compounded. Um, and with Mitch out, that only, you know, those kind of issues only show itself a little bit more. Yeah, I, I'm in total agreement. I, I kind of made the exact same point on last night's podcast. I was even talking about similar stuff in, in, in the Celtics game. And, and if we, we zoom out, I mean, this was a team that was the NBA's, I believe the best, their best defense over the first seven, eight games of the year. And that's how they kind of sort of survived Julius Randle turning into a piece of human garbage for eight games, at least in a basketball context. I'm sure he's a great guy. Um, but, and then from there, they were still top three for, I, I think about through the 14th or 15th game of the year. They're now all the way down. Um, this was before last night's game. I should have double checked. They're down to 11th in defensive efficiency and, and and obviously the breakdown started against Milwaukee against the Celtics it, it was exactly what you were talking about where over and over again it, it seemed like they were either two on the ball or, or two sticking with the screener and pick and roll and someone was left wide open and of course the Celtics put the fear of God into you just just in terms of how many threats they have on the court and it, it it's almost reminiscent of of what we got from those Kevin Durant Warriors teams and maybe not quite that deadly, but th there's almost not a right decision to be made at times. So you could excuse that a little bit, but then against the Toronto Raptors, I mean, nominally like the worst or, or one of the few worst half court offenses in basketball. I, I think you saw a lot of those same things prop up. And what surprised me was it was from like, 
I would say surprising sources like Quentin Grimes, who otherwise had a great game. Um, I counted three different times where he gambled and it, it led to a Raptors bucket. And, and to your point, like maybe in the past that stuff was happening, we didn't notice it because it would ultimately end in Mitchell Robinson making a spectacular play at the rim and getting a block or finding some way somehow to clean it up. But over and over again, um, the, the Knicks just got into these terrible mismatches. And you saw Jalen Brunson like getting bullied, whether it's by OG or, or, or Scotty Barnes, and they don't, they don't have that like extra layer um, in Mitch to survive those mistakes anymore. Yeah, I, I think in particular with Brunson uh, and uh, against Toronto, it's a really tough matchup for him defensively, just because they just play a bunch of like six eight guys, um, other than like Schroeder, and then um, so now you got Brunson at the point of attack guarding Schroeder. So then you see his kind of defensive flaws pop a little bit more. Um, and I think it's also worth mentioning with. Um, with regards to the Toronto game, is that the Knicks also kind of missed Emmanuel quickly. Um, he didn't play. So I, I think that quickly and Robinson are kind of like the two kind of defensive captains when they're kind of on the floor, just in terms of like communicating and kind of guiding the defense. They're the two that kind of clean up mistakes. So I think without those two mistakes that maybe do get cleaned up and maybe you're able to live with or, or survive with on the floor with those two, when they're both out, you kind of just see them more, they pop more. Toronto's not a good offensive team. They haven't been all season. Um, but they, they, they were able to put up, what, I think it was 130, which yep. is um, probably close to their season high. I don't know. I'm just guessing. But um, it kind of speaks to the fact that how out of sorts the next defense was. Yeah. What do you – how – how how to what extent does this resolve going forward, I guess, is the best way to phrase it. Like, do you think they can play league average defense without Mitchell Robinson? Obviously, last year we saw them play – their best defense of the season with Mitchell Robinson out, but that was, that was contingent on, on starting both Jericho Sims and Isaiah Hardenstein, which in turn turned their offense into just about the worst in the NBA, which it seems like a path that at least for now, um, and, and that it would take something happening to uh, Julius Randle as well. I think that, that was when both of them were out um, for, Oh no, no, sorry. Those were bench units, but point being they, they were playing lineups with both of them. And presumably that's not going to happen um, again, but do they have enough to play league average defense going forward? Or, or do you think they really take a tailspin on that end of the floor? All right, guys, we'll be back with Ariel in just a sec to continue discussing what exactly is making the Knicks offense click at such a high level. And, and maybe if, there, if there's even more meat on the bone for them to get even better. But before we do that, I want to remind you, our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long, whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, each week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. The guy that Josh picked, I am super duper happy about. It is New York's own and Germany's own Isaiah Hartenstein. He has a fantastic opportunity with Mitchell Robinson out for the next eight to 10 weeks to help boost your fantasy team. How will he do that exactly? Well, efficient scoring is where it starts. He's still going to take the bulk of his shots around the rim. We got to see in, in this game against uh, Toronto, as, as we're going to talk about in just a sec, that he has spectacular pick and roll chemistry with Jalen Brunson. That will open up opportunities for him to get layups and dunks. He, he doesn't normally get playing with the bench unit. Um, he's also going to be able to spray the ball out to the perimeter to pick up a couple of extra assists. And, and, and because he's still getting such substantial time with the bench, he'll get some opportunities with the ball and, and, and the chance to hit cutters to give you assist numbers. You, you're just not really getting from many centers this side of Nikola Jokic and Alperin Sengun. Um, he's also going to get some blocks. He's going to get a 
whole bunch of rebounds with Mitchell Robinson out. He is an absolute beast in that capacity. All in all, he's going to stuff the stat sheet. I feel like centers always go underappreciated in, in fantasy basketball when they're not of the star variety. But in my mind, they are the core to a winning team. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship team is about players being a perfect fit. And the same is true with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it with eBay Guaranteed Fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I think there's going to be a drop, uh, definitely a drop. Um, I guess it's just how far do they drop. I think they're, I think they, I think one of the better things that can come out of this injury is that the Knicks kind of experiment with their defense slightly a little bit more. Um, I, I think they can play at the level more, even though they have done that a little bit more this year. They can play at the level of the screen more. They can switch a little bit more. Sims is very switchable on the perimeter, which is why he was able to play the four defensively at least uh, last season. So I, I think that if they're able to kind of tinker with their with their defense a little bit um play a little bit more to the strengths of the guys that are on the court um i, I think there's ways that they can kind of tread water on, on defense and um for what it's worth their offense has really been picking up of late as well um yeah. which is probably worth mentioning um just because it's kind of keeping them afloat despite these really awful defensive performances all right, so so let's talk about that. Obviously, uh, Quinn Grimes going nuclear the last two games has helped quite a bit. Josh Hart, by and large, finding his form over the last five or six has, has made a substantial difference. Um, but but what do you think? All in all, is clicking for them on the offense end? Because I, I think it's I think it's notable that they dropped one thirty six. Um, uh, Jonathan Macri had a great stat; it was their best. Um, I, th- I believe effective field goal percentage they've had under Tom Thibodeau outside of that um, enormous win over the Nets last year, where they scored like one forty two, and it came on one of Jalen Brunson's worst offensive games of the season. And that feels harsh because he did some things really well. I, I, nine assists was, was close to a season high or a season high for him. Um, had, had a couple of plays where he just uh, absolutely dusted Dennis Schroeder, but also career high seven turnovers and, and, and not um, his absolute best in terms of efficiency. And yet uh, they poured it on. What, what do you think is working for them on offense right now? I think the ball movement is, is kind of picking up a little bit. I, I forgot who tweeted it, so I'm sorry for not being able to credit you. But um, someone had said that that like I think every Nick last game had an assist at least. Um, yeah. I, I think things like that where everybody kind of feels a little bit more involved. I, I think um, one of the things that, that we're probably going to talk about at some point is the starting shooting guard and how they've kind of been – whoever's been the starting shooting guard with the starting lineup kind of gets a little bit uh, – left to the side um yeah. but but i think just in that's general, a really nice like, way to put it ariel that was like really, really <laughs> i was like you were like a public relations person like trying to explain like a, a country's nat- natural disaster and saying yeah you know we just we, we put we put the those people to the side yeah go you're ahead sorry. Yeah. no you're good um but yeah yeah i just think that the, the ball movement has kind of picked up i think the pace has been a lot a, a lot better I, I think one of the things that i've noticed even since tibu has taken over is that when the knicks are playing really slow even in the half court when they're starting their sets with like 15 on the clock as opposed to 18, they, they need those extra three seconds um, with, with who they have on the floor to, to get that extra swing pass, to get that extra dribble, extra, extra you know, attack of a closeout. So I, I think that the pace has been a, a slightly better just in terms of maybe not getting out in transition more, but just um, playing with kind of force and, and the decisiveness that I think benefits everybody on the floor. Um, but And I also think that the bench unit is really clicking at the moment. 
um, really picking things up. Um, Grimes obviously has started to find his lot, his shot, which I, I wrote about. And I think that they're, they're doing a better job of kind of utilizing the talent on the floor right now, as opposed to kind of, you know, making people fit into like specific roles, which I think has been kind of a, an issue in, in the Tom Thibodeau era where um, he kind of is plugging people into roles that they may not be as comfortable playing. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to get to Grimes, but I, I want to start off with the uh, Brunson Hartenstein pick and roll because to me that was um, like like when you when you think of Hartenstein coming and you think all right a, a little bit of extra spacing and obviously he's not someone who's being guarded out uh, at the three point line, not even someone who's really being guarded out at the wing. But you, you have to respect him from five, six, seven feet, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but given that Mitch is is about as as rim bound as any center in the NBA, like I, I think it makes a difference. And I, I think you even saw in how. Julius was operating last night like like there were and and like obviously initially it was it was strategic for Toronto not to necessarily send double teams but there was just a little bit more room and I, I think that helped him get off some of those like uh off shoulder turnaround jumpers and, and then the other thing was again that pick and roll game where Brunson was throwing passes to Hardenstein that he wouldn't have even dreamed about throwing to Mitchell Robinson and, and then even at the end of the game like they had that late connection after Brunson turned it over once Hartenstein kind of went over, talked to him and Brunson just zipped that pass into him for a dunk. Um, What, what did you see there? And, and, and what do you think Hartenstein opens up like relative to Mitch in, in that capacity for them? Yeah, I was about to bring up that exact same sequence where uh, Brunson turned it over, could have hit Hart on the short roll, didn't. They spoke about it. And then in that very next play, he hits Hart and then they get a basket out of it. I think that um, what, what Hart, Hartenstein um, obviously brings to the table that Mitch doesn't is just being able to make plays out of the short row. Not only is Hartenstein, you know, one of the better passing big men in the league, even though we don't see it too much, you see it in flashes. Um, I, I think that it's also that he's able to, he's comfortable taking a dribble and then, you know, bringing the defense in a little bit more, collapsing it a little bit more. And I think you see, I, I noticed this last year when he first signed, it took a couple months before like Brunson in particular was comfortable hitting Hartenstein in the short row, just because I don't think he was kind of used to having that threat um, with Mitch. It's such like polar opposites. Um, yeah. So I, I just think that um, with Hartenstein, um, you get an added element that Mitch doesn't bring. And while Mitch may give you more on the offensive glass, you get a little bit more, you know, spacing. And not just because Hartenstein, like you mentioned, has the floater to his game, but I think he's also a little bit more aware of understanding when to space, where to space out. He's very good at cutting across the baseline, setting up passing angles. You'll see him create a lot of passing angles just with like little subtle cuts. Um, so I think that's one thing. And one thing I want to mention on Sims real fast, just since we might mm -hmm. as well. Um, he's a very good screen setter. Um, that's one thing that really popped to me um, in his first in particular. He freed up Brunson for a couple of threes. He got RJ a couple of easy layups. So I think that's another thing that maybe, you know, Sims might not be able to replicate the things that, that Mitch does. But maybe he brings some value just in terms of like setting screen and freeing other guys open for, for baskets. Yeah, I think I think it's a great point, and he's, he's particularly like I think off ball, he's he's maybe a little bit better, and 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 or or at least Tibbs is more willing to use him that way than he is Mitchell Robinson. At least that's what I noticed, kind of on first glance this season. All right, let, let's get into it. Quinn Grimes. You wrote a really good piece that again everyone can um, go to your Twitter and check out on your Substack about Quinn Grimes and the way he's been empowered coming off the bench, and I, I feel. A, a lot of like pain in my heart for Dante DiVincenzo, who is such a good rhythm. And, and Quentin Grimes goes out, complains to the media, and 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 all of a sudden Dante's uh, thrust into the same spot. And, and he, he's 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 been making the most of it. Had five assists in the first half yesterday, so that was exciting to see. But now Quentin Grimes gets that bench boost, and I, I think um, 
something I noted yesterday and something like you, you did a, a even better job going in depth in, in the article is that it's not just he's going to the bench. It's that Tom Thibodeau is saying like, all right, there's more of a window for you here, but I'm not going to leave you on an island. Like I, I am going to call plays and, and call sets to get you the ball on the move and, and in a position to to make a to make a play. Okay, guys, we'll be back with Ariel one final time to definitively answer the question, do the Knicks have too many guards? Do they need a trade? And uh, what? All right, guys, we'll be back with Ariel in just a sec to definitively answer the question, do the Knicks have too many guards? And also talk a little bit about Jalen Brunson's improved three-point shooting. But before I do that, um, I got to tell you, how I got an opportunity to see the Knicks in person this week. So I am in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, visiting my girlfriend. Uh, We are about maybe 12 blocks away from the Suns Arena. And I was like, you know what? Let me dial up game time because I want a fantastic deal on some Knicks tickets. And boy, did I get it. You, You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big events, whether it's sports, music, comedy, or theater. Game time has you covered with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guaranteed. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. For me, it was the ability to see the view from my seat. That was so, so cool. I, I was thinking the section that was, was most affordable for me would maybe just be a little bit out of my price range, but ultimately that wasn't the case. Um, and I, I got to confirm that by seeing the view and knowing that it would be a great experience for me and my friends. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. All in prices show you the total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. That was also huge because I didn't have to text my friends a whole bunch of times and say, all right, here's what I think the price is. Oh, wait, here's the actual price, which is a real bummer to do. It streamlined communication and made me feel so much better about my purchase. And you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L O C K E D O N N B A for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, he's. I the very first possession of the first game, he came off the bench against Boston. It was an immediate play call to free him up for a corner three. They, they ran a little pin and set for for Grimes. He was able to free up, knocks down the shot. Just that kind of, you know, actively seeking him out as a shooter and not just waiting for, like, Brunson or Randall or RJ or whoever to break down the defense, having a couple swings get to him. He's actually, like, involved in the play and in the action, which I think is important for a guy who's struggling. And as he's put in his own words, you know, he he couldn't get in a rhythm. He felt like every shot, you know, if he missed it, he would go on the bench. So I, I just think that involving him in the actual, like, um, in the play call and, and him being a focal point of – of, of a play is important because when he's in the starting lineup, we rarely have ever saw that. Um, and, and it's also cool to see him get, you know, reps as like, even as a ball handler where it's not like you're not going to run 20 pick and rolls a game for, for Quentin Grimes, but I think giving him a, an empty side, you know, pick and roll once, once a game. And he found Mitch in the short row and Mitch finished and then against Boston. And then yesterday he found uh, Hartenstein for a layup as well. And it's very simple reads. It's nothing that, that is going to blow anybody's mind. But I think that it's important for generating a rhythm. It's not just about getting shots. It's about, like, feeling involved and feeling like you, when you do touch the ball, it's not just like a window dressing. It's like you're you're, you're meant to do something with the ball. Yeah, I, I think the, the – the, I mean, those two opportunities to hit Mitch and then Hardenstein stood out to me just because he hasn't been used as a passer this entire season. And, and while he's not, like, super creative in that, 
capacity yet, like except maybe around the rim. Like he's he's very functional, and it, it was nice to see him just get the opportunity. And the, and the rim attempts, I think, really get him going. And it, it's it's kind of a chicken or the egg. Like like is it like calling a play for him to get a three, and then he feels more confident going to the rim, or he feels more confident going to the rim, and then he's like, oh screw it, like I'm gonna I'm gonna just launch from three. But to me, like the lack of conscious was like really really exciting, and the fact that like he is like hyperactive, like cutting and and going out in transition and and even when he missed like on that play where like he he got out on a fast break like went right to the rim hard ended up getting the rebound getting it back to him for three like i like that his initial instinct was i'm gonna get all the way to the basket and it, it's kind of like what our what our buddy bengio is talks about with julius randall where like like when a player is like kind of inert for a long time like it, it, it's tough for them to generate their own momentum but if it's if it's due to a role change or or just having plays called for you, like finding ways to get guys on the move to feel the basketball and empower them to say, like, I want you shooting every time you touch it. Like you can like his whole like even beyond just like his effectiveness, like his whole energy and mindset and the feel of his game has has dramatically shifted in a way that like, I don't know, Ariel, you you, you watch a ton of basketball. Like I don't really remember like happening with a player over like a three, four five game stretch, like maybe outside of like James Harden when he's taking his way out of a team and then he gets to go to a new team, but it, it, it's rare, right? It, it, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's not something you see like very frequently to be that sudden of a shift. And and then to even go like in the opposite direction, you, it's like Dante DiVincenzo went from like the, the opposite uh, a role where he yeah. was, you know, the one that was hot and getting it going. And then now he's kind of like the shots have kind of disappeared. Um, but with, with Grimes, it, it's just, you said the word empower. I think that's the biggest thing is that he feels empowered now to go get a shot, go look for his shot. Um, I don't think he's like looking over his shoulder, like, oh, I have to hit this one. Um, and that's the biggest thing. I think when players are struggling, especially young players, um, which we've kind of seen with RJ, we've seen it with IQ these past few years, even with Mitch, um, who had his own struggles. It's just, you got to give them some time to kind of find themselves. Um, I, I think sometimes they can kind of, it's a long season. You can get kind of lost in the shuffle at times, especially for a young guy. So I, I, it's good to see him kind of get out of the funk. Um, and if he is ever reinserted to the starting lineup, I think it's important that he still keeps that kind of mentality of like, they need me to shoot. They want me to shoot. Um, I need to be aggressive. You know, I, I can't just like kind of hide in the corner. I, I have to be involved in the play. I think where I'm where I'm left after all this, and especially you know, like we can we can talk about this more in depth, but with what Josh Hart has done the last few games or so, um, and and to me, obviously he's he had a lot of success a few games before that with Emmanuel quickly, but I, I think part of what Hart did was empowered by quickly being out and him getting more time with the ball and and feeling the basketball, and we we always talk about like how the the ball is energy. I mean, you've heard every, every like successful coach since like the the seventies or eighties, like, like throw that quote or some version of it out there um, at at some time or space in their career. And I can't help but think what we were talking about before the season, what we've talked about now throughout the season, like if the Knicks still just have one too many guys at that guard spot and inevitably there's, there's going to be a casualty and it's sometimes it's, it's hard for me to tell like what the balance is there between blaming like the guys who have the ball most often in their hands in the starting lineup, whether that's Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, or RJ Barrett and, and saying like, all right, like maybe they each need to take two or three less shots per game. Um, and, and how much of that is, is, is just a fact that there's not a lot of minutes to go around. And like in a, in a perfect world, you would, you would say Dante DiVincenzo is starting, but like, we're going to ensure like he gets a, five minute stretch with the bench unit every single game. We're going to ensure Emmanuel quickly like gets to run the bench. unit. we're going to ensure Quinn Grimes gets an opportunity to lead the bench unit with all three of them. Like there just isn't that window. And I'm wondering if there's 
Like, is there something Tibbs can do about that? Or is it just sort of the reality of the Knicks situation that unless they trade one of these guys and maybe there should be more of an urgency to trade one of these three guys, you're not going to get the best out of all three at the same time? Yeah, I don't think they need to trade uh, anyone right now. I think I think depth is always a good problem to have. I think there's no such thing as having too many good players. I, I yeah. think I think the biggest issue, and it's something that like I've been trying to kind of formulate my thoughts on for a while, is just that um, the the structure of Tibbs's like substitution pattern is is kind of a big issue just in terms of getting guys to play in different lineups. The the biggest issue with DiVincenzo now starting and then Eve Grimes when he was starting is that 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 spot in the rotation never plays with the bench. They're, they're, they're kind of locked into just always playing with the three high usage starters, which is Brunson, RJ, and Randall, which really limits what they're able to do on offense. They're they're less involved and, and they're more, you know, like I said earlier, put, put off to the side. I, I think that the starting of the first and the third quarters where the starters play like the first eight or nine minutes consecutively, I think it really limits the kind of lineup flexibility that Tibbs is able to put out there. And, and that's why the fourth quarter minutes are always a little bit weird because we saw it last night with Hartenstein where he's coming off the bench and he's the coming in with like four or three minutes left in the third. And if he's playing well, you don't want to take him out. And he has to kind of play like this, like 15 minute shift to close out the game, as opposed to if, Sim subs out with like six minutes left in the quarter. You can have Hartenstein finish that quarter, give Sims like two, three minutes to start the fourth and then let Hartenstein run out. It, it just really, it's it's a limiting factor that I think um, was an issue last year, but I think we're seeing it now more than ever. And and with the frustrations of Hart and, and Grimes about being in rhythm, I think it's kind of important now more than ever that, um, that the staggering is a lot more looser so that guys are able to, so that Tibbs is able to get what he needs from, you know, like a quickly or a Grimes with the starters, but then simultaneously giving Grimes and quickly and DiVincenzo opportunity to kind of like play free with the bench unit. So I, I just think it's it's a tricky balance and it's a lot easier when you're not the one actually coaching. Um, yeah. But um, I think it's a, it's a big issue, though. I think it's a great point because I don't remember the exact lineups, but I thought it was it was fun getting to see Brunson like play with the bench unit a little bit last night. And obviously, that was a product of quickly being out and, and, and Deuce only playing about 10 minutes. Like Brunson inevitably got some of that time and we'll see. Like, I, I guess we have no idea how long quickly is going to be out. But if, if he is out for a couple of games, like how sustainable it is Brunson playing um, that kind of minute load and, and having that kind of workload, especially on an ankle that might not be quite a hundred percent, but I, I thought like, I loved having like the mixed groups out there and, and getting some time with, with like Brunson, Grimes, Hart and, and Randall, because to me, it's just, it's just one too many ball dominant players when RJ's out there as well. And, and, and you can, there are a number of different iterations that like we got like right at the start of the fourth quarter, like it was kind of RJ's turn to lead the way. And he got three straight, like huge buckets. And it's kind of crazy. Like I haven't seen like in all the recap coverage I read at last night's game, like almost no one's talking about RJ who had 27 points fairly efficiently, like rebounded from like a really poor start shooting the basketball in that game. And it, it just, you, you, it's, it's a window to unlock different aspects of different players games and the regular season, again, in a perfect world is for experimentation and for better or worse, that's never how Tom Thibodeau has seen it, right? It, it's for maximizing like every second, every, every inch and every win. And, and given that the Knicks are, are going to play, I, I think because of the in-season tournament, more road games than, than home games this year. And um, they get, I, I, there was, there was a great stat out there 
from um, I think it was Tommy Beer that the Knicks like something like 17% of their games this season come against the Sixers, Bucks, and Celtics. Like, and now without Mitchell Robinson, I understand the need to like stick with the familiar and grind stuff out. But I, I think we've we've always kind of been on the same page, and most people covering this team have been on the same page that it probably lowers your ceiling. And, and to your point, it's it's a great upside of of Mitch being out that there's some forced experimentation in there. And I, I hope Tibbs found some stuff that makes him lean into it because just from a just from a ball movement perspective, like I think that was unlocked by getting hard and grimes out there with your best players. Yeah, exactly. And and the thing is with with each of like the off ball guys, if we want to refer to them as like quickly, the yeah. Chenzo, Hart, and Grimes, they, they all kind of connect Brunson, Randall, and RJ in different ways. Um mm. I, I think when RJ's with the bench unit, you see a different version of RJ than when you see RJ with Randall and Brunson. You see this, we're seeing it now with Grimes. Um, I, I think quickly is kind of the best guy when in terms of like connecting and bridging that gap between Brunson and Randall, just because of his ability to to shift on and off the ball and his kind of like frenetic pace that he's he, he kind of plays with. It's a little more under control now than, than he was in the past. But just in general, I, I think that those guys all individually bring something different to the table. And I don't think we're seeing enough of those lineups. To, to bring different things out of Brunson and Randall and, and even RJ. Um, so just in general, I'd really love to see more experimentation, especially now that when when they, they, they've they lost Mitch, who is very central to everything that they do. It, it's, it's kind of more imperative now more than ever to kind of really see and explore what this roster is capable of. Because I, I, I think there's too many guys that it, it never really feels like, it always feels like somebody's like, great play is coming at the expense of someone else. It, it never feels Absolutely. like, yeah, it never feels like everyone else, everyone is like clicking at the same time. And, and I think it's part of the, part of that is the, is what we're talking about here. Part of that issue. Yeah. And, and to me, it, a lot of it falls on, on RJ's shoulders at the end of the day, because it, it really feels like he, after such a great start to the year, both, both it, like most obviously in terms of his shot making, but I, I would say secondarily, and like, at least as importantly, like in, in terms of his process, it, it feels like ever since the injury, like he's just been hunting to get that rhythm back and has been struggling to do so. And even though he scored a lot and ultimately took a lot of shots last night, it felt like a more under control version of that to your point like a lot of that is like who he's out there with and it feels like when he is getting so many minutes with with randall and brunson like instead of turning him into someone who's like all right i'm going to lean into other parts of my game he almost takes the opposite message from that and being like all right i need to double down when i get the ball i need to find a way to get my shots and if he is just willing to become like a more efficient and, and slightly less uh volume heavy version of himself I think that benefits everyone else on this team and it, it just provides space um, for everyone to do what they do best. And last game, like the cut he had off of Josh Hart's drive was, was maybe the perfect version of that where he can still get his points, but he can do so in a way that one is, is a better shot than he is typically going to get on his own. And two, in a way that lets Hart feel the ball and, and shine in his own way too. And it's those two working conjunction versus RJ, like working an ISO and like putting up like a layup over two defenders, which is great when it works. But again, like it, it leaves someone feeling left out and, and it stops someone else from getting into a rhythm. I think Tibbs is kind of grappling with that and, and kind of saw it last night in particular, just because RJ had that great start to the fourth quarter, like you mentioned, playing really well, a lot of big buckets to start that quarter. But then um, he subs RJ out and then Grimes and Hart are doing like all the role player things that you want next to next to Randall and, and Brunson. But then RJ is also bringing like this element of, of shot creation and, and, and you know, 
it just feels like there's always this balance of like who are the right guys to put next to Brunson and Randall. And if RJ is able to do the role player things more consistently, because I think we know he's capable of scoring, he's able to get to the rim, we know what he can do. But when it comes to like cutting off the ball and knocking down the spot ups, which he's done a good job of this year for the most part, um, I, I think sometimes people are like get frustrated because RJ has like 20, 23 points. And then he's like, he's not playing the fourth quarter, but it's just because like a guy like Grimes and Hart or, or whoever you want to pick, they're able to fill specific roles that like fit Brunson and Randall and give the team kind of specifically more what they need to close out that game. So I, I just think that it's kind of like a tricky, it's a very tricky balance and it's not a job that I envy, but it's definitely one that's fun to like <laughs> talk about. In my own opinion. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it just, I mean, this is like the most basic way I can put it as a fan. Like it's, I think it's more fun to, to watch this team when when guys like Hart and Grimes are empowered like I, I said to you before we started recording like last night was far and away the most fun I've had watching a game this year and part of it was just like the joy of seeing like Grimes find his rhythm and Hart find his rhythm but it, it felt kind of the closest to whatever magic they captured after trading for Hart last season and, and and maybe it was just because Hart was obviously amazing for that stretch and Grimes was amazing post all-star break and it was that's like like golden memories for me as a Knicks say, right? That that in 12-13 are as 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 good as it's been. But Ariel, uh, before I let you go, and and all good if we've we've covered already because we've touched on a lot. But did you have one final thing that you've you've really been enjoying this season, kind of on the margins, just because I know you you, you watch this stuff about as close, if not closer, than than anyone else covering this team? Um, was was there just one fun little thing you've, you've enjoyed recently about the Knicks? I've enjoyed the, the Brunson kind of three point explosion. He cooled off a little mm -hmm. bit in the past couple of games, but just watching him kind of continue to expand his game and kind of like broaden his ceiling. One of the first things when he signed with the Knicks, just very quick tangent. Um, sure, yeah. I, I thought that he could reach like all-star level um, if he just upped his three-point volume and kind of maintained his, his three-point efficiency. And he's kind of just kind of blown through that this season. So it's like really fun to see that kind of like culminate. And we saw flashes of it in the playoffs against Miami, where his three, he was taking like seven threes a game. So it, it's just fun to, to kind of see to see great to elite players kind of still continue to elevate their games, even as they're like already like an all-star level player. So it's just one yeah, of my Fred, Fred Katz was talking about in the Knicks film school podcast and how the Knicks have a four point line, in their practice facility and Brunson going back two years has been working on that. And it felt like last year, like it, it probably helped him uh, maintain his accuracy, given that he was, he was shooting obviously dramatically more off the dribble than he ever had in the past, but he wasn't ready to totally, Un unveil that and, and then this year like maybe the extra summer of working on his leg strength and just like getting like probably thousands and thousands of reps at, at that shot at that range and I almost want to see more of it because it feels like the last few games and maybe it's just him wearing down and maybe it'll be another season before that's kind of a full-time trick in his bag I, I want to see him taking like I don't know maybe two three four like 28 to 30 footers every game because what it could open up from the Knicks offense from a spacing perspective where you get to set that screen 30 feet away and, and teams can't go under all of a sudden like I, I think that could even take the offense up another level perhaps which is a scary thought given that they're already maybe going to see a bump sans mitchell robinson and, and that extra efficiency is needed when you when you lose the best offensive rebounder in in recent nba memory but ariel pacheco uh thank you so so much for coming on as always it's it's genuinely a blast to talk to you um one final time can can you tell everyone where they can find all your great work yeah so just follow me on twitter at a pacheco nba um my sub stack is in the pin tweet if you want to read any of the work i do um other than that yeah just follow me on twitter and anything else I'm doing it right. the time. Uh, we'll be there. You, I, I didn't know it before because I hadn't seen it, but you're you are an exceptional writer as well. Um, the mm -hmm. article includes clips that make it really easy to see exactly what you're talking about. And you have 
great ability to break down sophisticated concepts in a way that everyone can understand. It certainly makes me smarter on the Knicks, so I really encourage everyone to check it out. But until then, is Ariel. I'm Gavin. We will talk to you very, very soon on Locked on Knicks.